If you, uh, if you didn't get into the prayer room this week, then you missed out. Um, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, just such an amazing space, such an amazing time. I went with Emily on the first afternoon and I thought there's no way she's going to last an hour and then she was kicking off because we had to leave at the end of the hour and then we had a leader's prayer time and I spent some time in there on my own as well. And, um, and I felt, and even saying this, I'll have, to, I'll have to backtrack in a moment, but I felt that God wanted me to say something as I, before I read from Scripture and then before I share a little bit more. Um, but I felt that God wanted me to tell you, like, so God wants me to tell you something about me, I think. And the thing that I think that God wants me to tell you about me on Pentecost Sunday is that I'm really struggling with God. Like, I, you know, I, I don't worry about me being ill or anything like that. I, you know, I'm still on a road to recovery in terms of health and stuff like that. But, like, I'm, really, I'm struggling with God. Like, I, I don't feel God. I don't, I don't really sense God at the moment. And, like, people are, like, saying to me, well, some people are saying to me, oh, wow, that was powerful preaching. Or that was, you know, thanks for doing that. Or, you know, thanks for spending time praying with me. But I don't feel God. I, I don't really, sen- I don't sense the power of God. I'm not, I'm not reading my Bible as I know I should or as I want to. I'm not praying as I know or as I, as I want to. But I was in the prayer room on Friday morning and I felt God say to me, and, and like, this is where I'm kind of saying, that, doesn't that like, sound like a contradiction in terms sort of thing? But, but the thing is this, I don't feel God at the moment. I might be a little bit angry with God about my health issues and all of that sort of thing. Possibly, I don't know. Um, and somebody said to me when I was just telling them this morning, you know, I think that God's asking me to start by telling you this. Um, they said, you know, oh, you like, like, you know, when you're ill and you're just driven into the arms of God or you're fit, not feeling it with God, but you, re- you know you're desperate to f- connect again with God. But I don't feel desperate to connect again with God. I don't. Now, I'm not worried about that. I just want to stress, I'm not worried about that. It's not the first time that this has happened to me in 15 years of becoming a, being a Christian. I don't expect it will be the last time uh, that this happens to me. I'm not worried about it because I know that that's what life with God is like. We have ups and we have downs and that sort of thing. But the reason I think that God wanted me to share that, that also the irony is I've felt God speaking to me loads lately. I felt God speaking to me in so many different ways, but I don't feel close to God. I don't feel the presence of God. Um, uh, And the reason that I think that God wanted me to share that at the very beginning this morning is that on Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the filling and the refilling and the, uh, and the constant refilling, because that's what the scripture talks about. When, it, when, when Paul writes about be filled with the Holy Spirit, you, you all know this, this is, this is nothing new, but it, it's be filled and go on being filled. It isn't a one-time event, but we often associate that with our feelings. I feel in a particular way. But I reckon that at least half of you are probably turning up this morning going, oh no, it's Pentecost Sunday. He's going to talk about hearing from the Holy Spirit and healing from the Holy Spirit and prophetic words from the Holy Spirit. And I have to feel in a good place with God to be like that. But, the, but I want to say, no, you don't. Because the power of the Holy Spirit 
is as much a part of the character of God as the Father and the Son. And therefore, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how I feel. The reality is that just as I can cling, and I was saying to somebody the other day, just as at times I feel like I'm clinging on with my fing- by the fingertips to the fact that I have a Father who loves me and that Jesus died for me, so too can the Holy Spirit speak to you even when you're not feeling it with God. Does that make sense? So I think that's why God wanted me to share that with you. Please, like, don't unduly worry about me. I mean, pray for me, but pray for me anyway. You know, hopefully you are praying for me anyway. I am not overly worried. I'm just telling you that is the reality of where I'm at, where I'm at at the moment. And if you find yourself in anywhere like that as well, and I'm sure that some of you do, that does not stop today being a significant day for you in the kingdom of God. I just want to read from uh, some various passages of Scripture. The first, very well known, um, from Acts chapter 2, and uh, Peter addressing the crowd, and it says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Remember, the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and the disciples are speaking in different languages. Literally, Um, literally in real languages. So this isn't uh, prayer language tongues. This is actual, like, speak me suddenly praying in French or something like that, or German, um, or any other language for that matter. Um, And people think they're drunk. But he says they're not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Peter had clearly never been to air. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. (laughs) In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Then the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he carries on a little bit later. He continues his sermon. Um, But I know you don't like long sermons, some of you, so I'm going to fast track through Peter's to give mine more time. Um, And he says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many others, he wa- with many other words, sorry, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. If you backtrack, but don't worry, you don't have to. It's just a short uh, few verses. The very last verses in Mark's gospel say this. uh, Verse 19 of chapter 16. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them, and then listen to this, and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. First Corinthians 12. 
Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. That's not talking about saving faith. That's talking about like faith to pray for massive things. Okay, so it's that sort of gift of faith. It's not saying some get given the gift of faith, but others don't. Um, and they like got the gift of prophecy. You only get the gift of prophecy if you are already a believer. Um, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. And then 1 Corinthians 14 Paul writes this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are always good, that you are always speaking, that it doesn't matter how we feel, that it doesn't matter how I feel, because the objective truth is that we have a Father who loves us, a Savior who died for us, and a Spirit who is being poured out and pouring himself into us that we might live the life that you've called us to. So Father, in these few minutes, I pray that you would take my words and that you would make them yours to us this day that we would hear your voice and that you, God, the giver of all gifts, will be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to uh, recommend a few books at the very beginning this morning because I know that many of you will want to continue. Uh, you know, there's some really exciting journeys with the Holy Spirit going on in the life of the church. I had such a great time this week uh, just dipping back into uh, these books. The first one is called Everyday Supernatural, Living a Spirit-Led Life Without Being Weird. It's by Mike Pilavachi and Andy Croft. Um, later in the year, so after the summer, um, I'll write to all of the Connect Group leaders over the summer just with the details about that because from time to time at Southside uh, we get the Connect Groups to follow uh, to like do a thing that all of the Connect Groups do rather than the different things and so with the leaders who are coordinating the Connect Groups we've decided that we're going to send that out and ask the Connect Groups to work through it. There is a leader's guide and a study guide. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, Also a brilliant book uh, by Dr. Jack Deere. This is called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. And it's, and it's by a, a guy who was literally surprised by the power of the Spirit. Um, I'm not quite sure whether he would have said he was a cessationist, which is somebody who wouldn't believe in the gifts for today. But uh, even if he was that, that far on that side of things, if you like, he had an incredible encounter with God um, and has written about it in there. And then uh, I, I would really strongly, like both of those books, recommend this book. It's by R.T. Kendall, who many of you will know as, as one of the great Bible teachers of this generation. He was minister at Westminster Chapel, one of the great teaching centers in British Christianity, um, uh, where Mark, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was his uh, predecessor. Is that the right way of putting it? Uh, R.T. Kendall uh, 
talking about the Holy Spirit, Holy Fire. I'd really recommend them. I'll leave them out down here at the front so that you can come and get a look. But I would recommend that you kind of read them in tandem in a sense because, uh, you know, there are slightly different perspectives and they're coming at it from different ways. Everyday Supernatural is incredibly practical. Um, Holy, Holy Fire and Surprised by the Power of the Spirit are pro- probably deeper theologically, but that's not to say that anything in Everyday Supernatural is not strong theologically, but it's probably explained more uh, deeply in that sense in Holy Fire. So just some resources that I'd love to recommend to you. So the reason why, you know, at the moment in Southside, we're doing a series on, uh, on values that are going to help us to live out our vision to reach out to all people, to welcome into one family and transform every generation for Christ. And, and then we've started a series looking at some values about uh, which are helping us to put a little bit more detail. And as, I, I've, as I've said every week, it's not a whole lot more detail. We could go much deeper on it. But uh, uh, values as to how we are going to live that vision out. And as you know, it incredibly cleverly spells church. Um, the problem with it spelling church is that there is a, no S in church for spirit-driven or spirit-filled. And so actually, uh, it's really good. I, I've said for the last few weeks that we're going to take time out. But in a sense, you can say, well, we're not taking time out from it. We're just pausing from the church bit of it. And we're focusing on the Holy Spirit um, and the Holy Spirit's role um, in how we live out our vision as a church. And the thing is that I, I believe that, that perhaps the Holy Spirit isn't given uh, his place in the life of many churches today. And that's because we're a little bit worried about what the Holy Spirit might have us do. We're a little bit worried about what is it that we're saying when we say that, that Pentecost happened and God poured out his Spirit on all people. Um, and, and, and so we can very easily end up with a slightly stilted or stunted Christianity which leans perhaps uh, too much on Father and Son or at other times too much on Son uh, or at other times too much on Father or like I was talking about last week, we, we prioritize at times certain attributes of God over others. Whereas actually to have a rounded, holistic faith, which I'm sure is what each of us want to have, we need to be saying whatever God is, not whatever, whoever God is, everything about God that is made known in Jesus is what we are moving towards. Because last week we talked about how we're moving towards holiness. So whoever God is, whatever God's character is like, however Jesus lived his life, because he is the perfect human and shows us therefore what it is to live a fully human life. Whatever Jesus is like, we need to be growing like that. And until we are, we're a little bit like, I was trying to think of it, but you're a little bit like your Sunday roast beef without Yorkshire pudding. It's just wrong. Do you know what I mean? Or it's like fish without chips. Who does that? It's just, you know, and so church without the, without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in it, there is something, uh, something missing. And at the very outset, I just want to say this. You all have, if you are followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in you. Every single one of you who is a follower of Jesus already has the Holy Spirit. But do you know what? The disciples already had the Holy Spirit before the day of Pentecost. It would be wrong to say that is when they received the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the the Spirit. 
The only way that you can say and believe that Jesus is Lord is by the power of the Holy Spirit. That means when Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, even though we haven't had Pentecost yet, even though we haven't had Jesus breathing on the disciples in the upper room, that as when Peter confesses Jesus as Christ, he is already has the Holy Spirit living within him. And so what that tells me... Um, by a process of deduction, I'm sure you'll get there as well on this. What that tells us is that what happened at Holy Spirit is not the first coming of the, uh, sorry, what happened at Pentecost is not the first coming of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is what we might, to lean on Paul say, is another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because remember I said that, uh, that when the New Testament talks about be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's saying, go on being filled. The disciples in that room, perhaps the very room where they shared the last supper with Jesus as they wait on Pentecost and are filled with the supernatural power of God were not waiting for the Holy Spirit for the first time. They already had the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want anybody to leave this place thinking, I don't have the Holy Spirit in me. If you are a true follower of Jesus, if you confess and mean it, and only God really knows this, and this is between you and God, but if you confess truly Jesus is Lord, that is because the Holy Spirit is in you. But therefore, the continuing process of deduction is this, that if they already had the Holy Spirit... And if we already have the Holy Spirit, but then Pentecost happens and other similar um, examples of it in the book of Acts and through the New Testament and church history, uh, then there must be more that God wants to do by his Spirit. There must be more. Otherwise, he wouldn't do this. Otherwise, this wouldn't be written into what we now call the canon of Scripture. And At the very outset, I just want you to hear that. I want you to hear you have the Holy Spirit, but God wants to give you even more. God wants to give me even more. And the thing is, this is probably frightening some of you. It frightens me, and it is probably putting some of you off. And again, you know, I felt that God wanted me to say something this morning, and it was this. Sorry. I believe that God wants us wants me to say sorry to some people in this place this morning who, when they hear about the Holy Spirit, when they hear about the spiritual gifts, when they hear about the supernatural gifts, are just put off because they've been hurt in the past, because they've suffered at the hands or at the teaching, uh, unbiblical teaching or, or a manipulative ministry. I can remember being myself at one such meeting up in Glasgow over 10 years ago where, where a speaker got up and said, no illness is going to leave the room tonight. And I, and I just thought that is such destructive teaching. It is not biblical. It is not, um, unless he had an absolute certain prophetic word from the Lord, which I, I you know, and I just don't, I didn't believe that was the case. So if you have been hurt by abuses, within the charismatic movement. Sorry. But also, if you've been hurt by those abuses, it doesn't mean that you have to swing completely away from it. God wants us to experience and have all that he wants for us. 
no matter what our hurts have been in the past. At the, so I believe there's a, a level of repentance there. I believe though that also there is a level of repentance that some of us need to have. It says, when Peter is preaching there in Acts, he says, repent and be baptized. So, and you will, and you'll, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, recept, the receiving of the Holy Spirit is linked in Scripture with repentance. And Peter, of course, is talking about repentance in terms of turning to Jesus for the first time. But it struck me also that there might be another sort of repentance that we need to do. And that is a repentance of sometimes our attitudes towards the Holy Spirit. Remember how the Holy Spirit is spoken of like a dove. R.T. Kendall in his book talks about the difference between the pigeon and the dove. And the Holy Spirit is a dove. He's not, the Holy Spirit is not like seagulls down air seafront that are just so brave and so bold that you can walk past them. You can stamp your foot at a seagull in air and it will still try and steal your chips, okay? The Holy Spirit is not like that. The Holy Spirit is a dove. And sometimes we have wounded the Holy Spirit in terms of our wrong beliefs about him and therefore our closeness to him. And so even as some of you are apologized to, I believe that there are some of us who may actually have to say to God our sorries for the way that we have viewed looked at, spoken about the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the church. So just very briefly this morning, I want to focus in on two things. There is so much that the Holy Spirit does. It's like when somebody says, what did the cross achieve? And you just go, wow, how long, you know, we can't say what the cross achieved. It's so much that the cross achieved. It's so much that Jesus' life achieved. Um, uh, It's so much that Jesus shows us. One writer puts it, uh, like saying that it's like a diamond. It's got so many facets to it. You know how a diamond reflects the light off. And that's the same with the Holy Spirit. There are so many facets to the work of the Holy Spirit that this morning I couldn't even begin to cover them all. And so I want to, I want to take on really quickly two. And they are prophecy and healing. Okay, and we'll just do like five minutes on each and then we'll pray and we'll get back into worship. Maybe five minutes on each and then we'll pray and get back into worship. But we have to get the kids back as well. Um, And the reason that I want to talk about these two is because they are perhaps two of the more controversial ones. The word prophecy, you know, what is prophecy? Well, one definition of prophecy is this. The gift or ability to receive and communicate supernatural revelation for a group, individual, or situation. It is knowledge that we would not have were it not for God divinely giving it to us. Now, at the very outset, what I want to say is prophecy is not above Scripture. I read this quote from Michael Green during the week. He said, prophecy, talking about the prophecy that we have uh, because of the gifts of the Spirit, not talking about the biblical prophets. Prophecy is not the equivalent of Scripture. It is a particular word for a particular congregational person at a particular time through a particular person. Scripture is for all Christians in all places and at all times. And, and so it's not putting prophecy, hearing from God. Some call it words of knowledge. There is a slight difference, but we're not going to get into that this morning. We just simply don't have time. But it's not saying that prophecy comes above Scripture. But what it is saying is that God wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us through Scripture, but he speaks to us in other ways, doesn't he? 
He does, yeah. God speaks to us through creation. God speaks to us through each other. God speaks to us through thoughts that we might have. And, and God speaks to us by giving us what some would call prophetic words. And, and as a church here, I would love it. Absolutely, I'm so excited by the prophetic training that is going on. I know that many of you are so excited by that as well. I'm so excited because the teacher is so biblical. It doesn't mean that everything that she says is right because this is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. When Jesus promises at the beginning of the book of Acts and at the beginning of Luke to pour out power from on high, he's talking about this sort of supernatural insight power. It's one of the supernatural gifts. The, the Greek word for it is dynamis or dunamis, I think is how you might pronounce it, from which we get the word dynamite. These are meant to be powerful groundbreaking gifts and the truth on that first Pentecost and in the living out of a spirit-filled life in the early church was that these were the things that happened we see Peter being given a word of knowledge that some men are going to come and speak to him and take him to Cornelius's house the Holy Spirit just says that to him we see Philip getting told to go down and, and, uh, and run alongside a chariot because the Holy Spirit spoke to him. These are words of knowledge or what we might call prophetic words and we, see, and we read Paul's encouragement to seek after prophecy. It's not that the gift, the, the, the station, the office, if you like, of prophet is not for everyone in the same way that not everyone is called to be an evangelist, but I believe this, in the same way that we are all called to share our faith, we are all invited to say, God, what are you saying? And to speak that out into somebody's life. I heard an incredible story just this morning about somebody responding faithfully to what they thought God was saying. There's not time to get the person up and tell the story, but it's absolutely incredible. And they went, they felt God saying something to them, they had a wrestle with God because they thought, I'm not going to go and say that to that person. They went and did it and the person just broke down in tears because it was God's word for them, God's particular word for them through a particular person at a particular time. And if we were to start to move in that and to truly move in that, and to test it and to hold on to what is good and flee from evil of every kind and recognize that we make mistakes and imagine the, the, you know, when I say string to our bow, I don't mean it in the sense of it being about us because prophecy always points people to who? To Jesus. Always. When Peter preaches on Pentecost, it, you know, the power, the supernatural power of the Spirit is seen and he points them to Jesus. When Philip comes up next to the Ethiopian eunuch, he doesn't just go, oh, I had an amazing picture, it's all about me. He tells him about Jesus. The, the supernatural gifts always point back to the giver. I also just want to say something very briefly about uh, healing. And I want, I want to say this, and, and I wrestled with whether to speak about it or not, because I've had the privilege of sitting with some of you as family members have died. 
I've had the privilege and the honor of sitting with people in this congregation as loved ones took their last breath. There has never been an ill person in this congregation who I didn't pray God would heal them. And so to stand up before you and say that we need to be praying for healing might sound like an incredibly unsensitive thing to be saying pastorally. And yet, the amazing thing that I've seen traveling with sisters and brothers who I loved and who are now with the Lord is that their faith did not waver. Their belief in the power of God did not waver. The vice principal of my, the college where I studied at ICC died of cancer the year or second year after I graduated. And he did an incredibly powerful video in which he, he said, you know, would I love to have... He was a young, in his 40s or maybe 50, and he said, would I love to have more time with my family? Yes. Would I love more time with my wife and my kids? Yeah, of course I would. Do I believe that God can heal? Yes. Will I stop believing if he doesn't? No. In Daniel, you'll remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to get thrown into the fire. And this is what they said. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I believe that we are called to pray for healing. I've said before that I think one of the great ministries at work in the world at the moment is healing on the streets. Uh, it started in Northern Ireland. I believe it's something that we would do well to seek to grow and embrace here at Southside. Um, but the thing that they always say to people is God might heal you instantly. He might heal you over a period of time. He may not heal you, but he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. We are called to live in a time between now, it's known as the now and the not yet. You've all heard of, or many of you will have heard about it. The now of the kingdom being inaugurated in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. When Jesus was raised from the dead, that was the beginning of the fullness of God's kingdom. That was showing what the, what the kingdom would eventually look like. Resurrected bodies, the same but different. Um, I, I, you know, physical resurrection bodies. That's why in the creeds it talks about believing in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, not just, a, not just a Red Bull advert cloud on which we sit, but a physical creation in which Jesus is Lord and, and in which everything is made right and all sickness and illness and all unclear thinking and it is seen perfectly because we no longer see through a glass dimly. Um, but even as we live out that kingdom, we know that it doesn't always happen. So unfortunately, people die. Unfortunately, people are not saved. Unfortunately, uh, injustice is not righted. And it doesn't, but it doesn't mean that we don't work for it. It doesn't mean that we don't pray for it. It doesn't mean that we don't continue to live in the darkness as, as people of light. And that is what the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Pentecost, empowers us to do, to be people who say, do you know what? Yes, we do see through a glass dimly, but God wants to speak to you. 
And the reason that God wants to speak to you is what? It's to glorify himself. It's to glorify the Son. It's to glorify the Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke and people became followers. And so, you know, don't be surprised if as you seek to grow in the prophetic and in these power ministries, God uses them more with non-believers than with believers because that would make total sense because it's them who he wants to surprise. It's them who, you know, surprised by the power of the Spirit. That is for, that is for us as well, but it is all it's for the lost and so it's when you have words for these people just very you know when when Karen and I got to the end of everyday supernatural uh, we were in Portugal two years ago and uh, and I felt God give, say to me that he was going to bring someone broken-hearted alongside me and I had to tell them that God loved them and uh, and so I was looking for a girl I don't know why but I just thought it was girls who got broken-hearted so I obviously don't remember my own teenage years um, and, uh, but no girl came alongside us. And then we were sat at dinner that evening in just a little open air place. And there was a guy sat, you know, a guy probably in his 50s, uh, big belly. Um, and God's, it was like God's spirit just said, that's him. And I was like, oh no. And so I had Emily on my lap and Karen had Zoe and I was trying to get 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 uh, get his attention but there was just nothing and I, you know how you use kids to try and get people's attention oh are you going to wave at that man over there and then we'll tell him about Jesus and Emily wouldn't wave at him and nothing nothing was happening so I just gave it up I, I chickened out and then we were walking back home uh, back to the flat we were staying in and uh, he was walking down the same road as us and so we like sidled along next to him and managed to get talking to him and I, and I just said to him, God, yes, no, or maybe. And he like looked at me, like, who is this fruitcake? And, uh, and I said, you know, what, what do you think of God? Do you believe, don't you believe? And we, a conversation started, and then I just said to him, I believe that God wants me to tell you that he sees your heart and he knows your hurts. And his, faith, and his eyes just welled up. And, and I said, you know, can we pray for you? And we prayed with him. And, uh, and that was the end of it. I don't know anything else that happened. But he didn't yet know Jesus. That's the point. He didn't know Jesus. This wasn't a kind of let's make ourselves feel all better, although the Holy Spirit does want to, to uh, raise us up to be all that we can be. But he is for the lost. The power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the prophetic preaching of Peter, the healing of Peter. You know, I could just go on and on. Why do you look at us, says Peter, as if by our own uh, faith we've healed this man? It wasn't us, it was Jesus. The, the supernatural healing was in order to point people towards Jesus. And the supernatural is available to all of us today. But we always need to remember that it isn't about the gifts, it's about the giver. It's not about what we get out of it, it's about the glory that God receives there is so much more that we could think about this morning but we're going to go into a time of uh, sung worship at the very beginning of this time if you want to go out and collect your your children just in a moment's time but I just want to encourage you in this Jesus says my sheep know my voice my sheep know my voice Jesus' sheep know that he is the one who heals. Jesus' sheep know that he is the one who speaks. And Jesus' sheep 
are seeking to emulate Jesus who says, I do only what I see my father doing. I say only what he says. Our prayer ministry team are going to come up and I would really encourage you. I would, I would encourage you so much. It might be out of your comfort zone. It might be something that you've never done before, but I would encourage you. I would, I was going to say exhort you, but nobody says exhort these days. Um, But I would just, I would say to you, come and receive prayer. Come and receive prayer for healing. Come and receive prayer for a a receiving, a refilling of that power. Don't leave here just walking in that kind of, there's always a flame. It's like the pilot light. But God wants to do so much more than that in each of us. He wants to use his church for so much more than just being this inactive little thing. Remember that bishop yesterday at the royal wedding? Because I know you watched it. I didn't tell Karen I was watching it. By the way, if anyone wants to see the photo, I've got it on my phone. The wedding dress photo of Karen that is in her wedding dress from yesterday. But remember that bishop talking about the fire. The fire. We want to receive the fire of the Holy Spirit, not to stay in here, not for an experience for ourselves, although it will fan us up, but in order that we might go out and be light in the dark places of the world. So don't leave without getting prayer. Take your time. We've got loads of time. Let's stand and let's continue to worship.